M and K Talk YA now presents The Young Elites Part 2 by Marie Lu. Welcome back to M&K Talk YA. I'm Marissa Snyder. And I'm Katie Bradford. And this is our Young Adult Fiction Podcast. And we're finishing up the first book of The Young Elites, which is called The Young Elites. Y- Wait, does the series have a different name? No, I think it's just The Young Elites. Okay. <laughs> good. I actually, when you posted, I was like, oh, that's a good way to, po- to post it, because I had no idea how we were going to tell people like what series the book belonged to. I saw that on the cover of the Rose Society. It said a Young Elites novel on the bottom, so I just kind of assumed and went with that. Perfect. But No, it worked out really well. Yeah. So, a lot happened uh, in this end of the book. Oh my goodness, so much happened, and I wasn't expecting a lot of it. I don't, do we, I guess, like... Oh, I feel like a lot of the questions I was asking... Elmo's dead. We jumped into. What? Elmo's dead. Yeah, Elmo, yeah. <laughs> Except at the very end, we meet that lady up in the Sunlands, or where is she up? Uh, that princess? Oh, yes. The, the Skylands. Oh, the Skylands. Yeah, you're right. Um, who apparently can pull people from the dead, so I'm curious if he comes back. Yeah, I know, because, I mean... It's so shocking to, like, lose one of your main characters in the first book of a trilogy. Especially when he was just starting, like, like I said, I had a lot of questions about him before, and I felt like we were just kind of starting to dig into, like, his background and what happened with Daphne and what was kind of motivating him. And I, yeah, I was not expecting, yeah, I was not expecting that. And especially since the whole point of the book so far was to get Enzo on the throne, and so many people were, like, depending on that happening to achieve what they wanted and now i just have i have no idea what they're gonna do yeah because it still makes sense that they want to overthrow the queen since she's attacking like all of them and blaming them for everything and like killing them you know like her whole that's true all of that but there isn't a clear like this is a good alternative right now no like who would i mean who would they replace julietta with at this point i don't yeah I feel like Adelina's going to go for it. I mean, yeah. that's That sounds like that's her plan, to at least go off and start something. Um, and she's so power-hungry. I feel like even though I don't think that's her plan right now, right now I feel like she's just focused on like revenge and not being used by people. But I feel like because of her like thirst for power, it could escalate to a, a grabbing the throne or trying to, especially if... She feels like, I mean, that's basically a screw you to both of the people that she's mad at, or both of the groups that she feels betrayed by. Yeah. You know, it compl- It like it totally broke my heart whenever they banished her. Even though I know why they did it, it still, it didn't seem like the smartest move. I was going to say, <laughs> like, on Raphael's part. I feel like they should have tried to kill her or kept her in the group, even if they didn't fully trust her. Which still probably would have bothered her, but... Right, but, like, if you have someone whose powers you fear, 
and you think she's dangerous, why would you cast her aside and make an enemy of her? Like, why w- wouldn't you want to keep her close yes. and, like, try to monitor her and try and bring out the good in her? It just seemed like such a dumb move. Yeah, I agree. And it didn't... And it for someone who tends to, I think, think about the big picture and how things play out and kind of have a little bit of that, not seeing the future, but seeing how things connect, I was surprised that that was his move. Yeah, me too. And especially since Raphael is so empathetic too, like, he ha- he he could have... I feel like he could have helped her if he had just tried. I think he could have too, but I feel like it gave me a whole different taste of him. Like, now I think, like, was he even... Did he even, like... Elmo Enzo or was he all like now I kind of give him his power hungry more than I realized too because he so naturally fell into that role of being the leader yeah but at the same time I feel like I mean he says that he loved Enzo it wasn't you know I think he was really sad when he died but at the same time like their Enzo and Raphael's relationship is it's so codependent yeah because they both stand to gain the most from each other, right? Like, the only way Raffaele will be able to leave the court and kind of step away from his life as a consort is if Enzo's on the throne. And the only way Enzo can get to the throne is if Raffaele attracts patrons to his side. So, like, they're completely codependent on each other. And so he's, he stood, he had the most to gain. Yeah, and they had such complementary strengths. Yes. Like, especially, like, yeah. Yeah, because Enzo needs to find other daggers and he can sense them. Or other elites, whatever. Adelina just went off the charts this book. Like, oh <laughs> my goodness. I know they kind of hinted at the fact that, you know, maybe if she, if she can start, you know, with uh, sound and vision and then all the other senses. But she just, like, went for it. And that was crazy. I was, like, yeah. even when Spider uh, was murdered, I was like, whoa. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> it remi- it reminded me a lot of the Lunar Chronicles when we like when we talked about their the glamours and how Cinder used her glamour on Sybil. That's exactly what I was thinking of too. Yeah, it's just the same because the fact that she can now create illusions of pain makes her so much more dangerous. But at the same time, I don't think she intended to kill him. I think she lost control of her powers and just couldn't rein them in. Which is what happened even with her dad. And so here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think her sister actually made it worse by not letting her kind of grow up with them and develop? Or do you think that she really helped her by protecting her from like the dad realizing she had power and maybe being exposed to this dark side even earlier? That's a really good question. I just, it's hard to say because if her dad knew that she had these powers, what would he have done with her? Yeah. And would it have been worse I don't know, because it's like if she had exhibited powers, maybe her dad would not have been so cruel to her, and so maybe she wouldn't have this really strong alignment with darkness. Or maybe like the passion part of her would kind of cancel that out and make her a better person. So, I mean, maybe, or she just would have been dark from the beginning and she would have like lost control sooner and started this downward spiral much earlier in her life. I don't know. Yeah. It's also, I was glad to see that her sister had a power. Because remember how I was, like, all confused? I was like, how does she not, she had the fever, too. Like, how does she not have anything? <laughs> yeah. that And such a cool power. Like, I don't know. I think hers is one of the most powerful, really, to be able to take away any elite's power. And Although, I'm surprised she's not better at it. If she's been, especially if Adelina's power is so kind of, like, hard to control. 
and she's mm-hmm. been like suppressing it for years and years. I well, would think that she could have handled the fight longer. But she's probably been suppressing hers too because she didn't want her father to find out. So I don't think she's been like practicing it for years. I think she's probably really still doesn't have a handle on it either. That's true. Oh, but God, that fight scene was nuts. I know. That, oh my goodness. Oh. I think it'd be really cool to see on film. <laughs> I hope they make a movie out of it. Although I have no idea who they would cast as any of the characters because for some reason I'm having such a hard time visualizing all of the characters in my head. I I don't know what they look like. I feel like I think of them as cartoons, not like humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and the way they describe them too is so striking. You think that like you would have some idea of what they look like, but I'm coming up with nothing. So it would be really cool to see who they would cast. Also, even at, at the beginning when Adelina started using, or not the beginning, the beginning of the second half, when she started using her power for like invisibility, I was like, oh yeah, that's how like illusion, illusions can be so power. Like I, I didn't really realize all the things she could do with her power until she started doing them. <laughs> I agree, and I liked the training montage where she's learning how to create roses and how to make faces look realistic. And, and oh, I love this scene where she's um, sparring with Enzo and she creates the knife and it's, like, the wrong knife and he she tricks him for the first time. That was really cool. Yeah, that is cool. But then, at the I mean, as cool as her powers are, like, they are still so far out of her control. And when she went to attack Taryn and she attacked Enzo instead. That was, oh my gosh. No, the I mean, like everything is just like, I feel like all the cards, it was like 52 card pickup at the end of the book. And then it was really interesting too how like Taryn and Enzo were kids together. And so they were familiar with each other's fighting techniques because they trained together and there's that whole history. Like that, I, I wish we kind of got more of that because I wanted to see... Taryn kind of falter a little bit more when it's revealed that the leader of the daggers is Enzo. I wanted to see more yeah. of a sadness from him. Because Enzo knew already, obviously, but it I thought maybe he already knew, even though he whatever, but then he was surprised when it was revealed, Taryn. But Yeah. I also that also kind of surprised me because it sounded like his uh powers manifested when he was younger and they were friends when they were younger. So wouldn't mm-hmm. you think that, like, there'd be some hint, like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. The prince could, maybe he couldn't, like, control it or it wasn't that powerful, but something like, oh, he could, he always felt like he was running a fever or he, I don't know, like, some clue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It That was a little bit hard to believe. And I, I wish we had more of a backstory there. Also, I wish we had more of a backstory of Enzo and Daphne. Yeah. I, and I thought we would get more as, like, their relationship developed, but, you know, now he's dead, so... <laughs> no, he's dead. Like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> I mean, even if he had been like, I for some reason I thought he was gonna like get hurt and they would take him away and still blame her. Like, I just like did not think he was gonna die. No, 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 no. That was a complete surprise. I like this book more already. Remember how I wanted someone that we on the team to die in uh, the Lunar Chronicles? I'm already getting it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, you got two already. You got uh, Dante and Enzo. Although I wasn't that sad to see Dante die because he was kind of... He was kind of... I, I wasn't ever on his side, really. Mm-mm. And I'm also really curious to see how Violetta and Adelina's relationship develops now that they both have powers and that they're kind of contradictory. 
Like, if her sister decides to stop her power... Could they turn into enemies? Yeah. They have, like, a very tenuous relationship right now, I think. I mean, it ends with them, with Adelina realizing that the only person who really did care about her was her sister, and she's the only one who gave her that kindness with no strings attached that she'd always been looking for. But at the same time... But I can just see her eventually being like, Adelina, you're out of control. I'm doing this for your own good and, like... Uh, and taking, yeah, yeah, taking her power. Because she tries it at the end. Yeah. And she gets very upset with her. <laughs> I also think it was kind of cool when they first escaped from the jail. And Adelina, like, used her illusions to paint a pretty picture for her sister about all the mayhem around. Do you remember that oh, part? Oh, yeah. Like, that mm-hmm. was, like, one of the first signs of her using her powers for good, I thought. Yeah. And, yes, and at the end when she... I think, doesn't she, like, paint a picture of their mother, too, to kind of soothe her? But that was the second sign, because the other one happened first. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And that's the thing. Like, she does have goodness in her. And I just think that if anyone was going to draw it out, I feel like it would be Raffaele. And so when he abandoned her like that, I was just like, dude, you were making such a big mistake. Like, why can't you see that? Especially knowing that she's kind of vengeful. Exactly. Like, how do you think this is going to end? Yeah, like, if anyone was going to, like, if we could predict that, you would think he could predict that. (laughs) It's like the one person you do not want on your bad side. Yeah. Oh, let's exile her. That'll solve the problem. And like I said, she had just become part of the group anyway, so it's like you still could have kept her as, like, a tenuous outside-ish member without upsetting her to some extent. You know, like, you could have done your, just given her something to do for the missions without, like, you didn't have to, like, trust her, trust her, trust her. I guess what probably did it, too, was they... They thought that she had something to do with Enzo's death because it did look like she purposely attacked him. And then when Taryn was like, "Oh, thanks for your help," <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looked really bad for her. It did. And then she confessed to killing Dante, even though it was an accident. I think <clears throat> maybe they just thought it wasn't worth keeping her because she might kill them all. And that goes back to this whole thing of like, she's finally relieved because she's being honest but it's taken her so long to be honest that now she probably thinks there's no point in being honest exactly but if she had started telling the story earlier then it could have all been different but okay so did she forget that she killed dante i was kind of confused if she actually forgot or was just pretending like it hadn't happened no i think she actually kind of blocked it out lost her mind a little bit because she was because there's a point where she says this is what going crazy feels like because she Maybe she was just so horrified what she did she, by what she did. She tried to just push it from her mind mm-hmm. and forget about it. I mean, <laughs> she's a strong case of denial, I guess. <laughs> My goodness. I also thought it was just kind of interesting that they decided to duel. So is it like common knowledge that Taryn is a elite? Can duel? Uh, it must. I mean... Because in front of everyone, he was just... I mean, like, there it was very obvious that he was being cured by... Or, you know, like, Mm self-healing. So was it a moment where he was revealing his powers and kind of choosing to show that about Because I just feel like that would be so hard to enforce to be, like, the lead Inquisitioner or whatever his title (laughs) is. Yeah, if you're one of them. And be like, all these people need to leave town and go to the outskirts and we're going to kill you if you like talk to them and we're going to blah 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 if you're one of them i agree unless i don't know i don't really know if the inquisitors were meant to be um like these upstanding citizens of 
of the law or if he was kind of like I'm a humble servant and I'm doing my part to rid the world of these malfettos who are abominations against God I don't I guess but it's just I just feel like it would be hard to like walk down the street and but yeah I guess and kill other malfettos but because the queen's not even he's the one like announcing it all to you I know it doesn't really add up and people accept him too it's not like there's a faction working against him like, people are fine with him being the head inquisitor, I guess. Do you think they made a mistake? I'm going way back um, when she first joined the Dyer Society by telling her that it, basically if she the weak links were killed. Yep. I feel like they shouldn't have told her that. <laughs> As TMI. <laughs> like, really. Especially that early. It's like not building trust at all. And it, I think that, like, screwed it up for everyone. Because then she didn't trust them, and then she did all this other stuff on the side. And, and also, yeah. like... I think maybe Raphael was trying to be open with her, but at the same time, if you know that she aligns with fear, why would you play on her fear? You know, like, because saying, if you mess up, we'll kill you, that is feeding her fear, which is the one thing you don't want to do. Yeah, that's why I think maybe he actually was more manipulative than, I don't know, just at the very end, I felt like, is this what where he wanted to end up anyways? Is he was he using like why didn't he kill her? Is there some other like scheme he has going on? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe oh, you think maybe he wanted to be the leader of the daggers? I don't really know. I just feel like I used to think he was such a good guy and now I'm starting to also question that. Yeah, he's very manipulative. Yeah. And especially when he was like murder is a means to an end. Like he doesn't bat an eye at it. I don't know though, like but they also say she also said that in a way he's always been the leader of the daggers because you know he's the one who's going out and finding them and bringing them back so yeah maybe that was his move all the time i don't know because it seemed like he and enzo had a bond though like a real like love for each other or at least respect i don't know yeah which makes the betrayal all the much more Oh, the more, yeah, I think he's definitely capable of it, but I'm not really sure what his end goal is now that Enzo's dead. And now that the court is burnt to the ground. And now they're just doing like a two-front battle. <laughs> a two-front battle against what? Like, it's going to be the Dagger Society versus the Rose Society or whatever versus the Inquisition people. Like, now I feel like there's enemies on every side. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't get the plan. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there is a plan right now. They're just like retreating for the minute to kind of regroup and refocus. They're just creating more enemies. <laughs> Let's find the two most powerful people that scare us and tell them <laughs> we don't want to be their friend. <laughs> you can't sit with us. <laughs> um, this was your day to wear your hair in a ponytail. So I don't know, man. I mean, what do what do we think of this Maeve girl? Oh, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. What a crazy gift to be able to bring people back from the dead. But I, I'm i But there's to, more to it than yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Because this brother of hers, uh, what's his face? Tristan? Yep. She said there's like a dark, there's like a glint to his eye that like something's really not right about him. And she was saying something about how she could like release him. So like, is he like a demon? Or Ooh. is he just like not a real person? Or is he like, Maybe he's like dying inside or something? I don't know. Maybe he's like a White Walker in Game of Thrones. I haven't read Game of Thrones yet. You haven't seen it yet? Oh, there was like a scene that reminded me of it so much because, oh, when, when Maeve is like um, punishing the prisoners and she tells him, if you can make it to the end of the bridge before I count to 10, I'll let you live. 
that's like that also reminded me of Lavana, by the way oh yeah like the like the torch like playing with the torture yeah that's true with your victims and stuff but there's except that it sounded like that guy like probably didn't deserve that kind of death but at least like had done something, something i actually guess wrong it was just like game of thrones though when he when like ramsey t- like makes rickon run and everyone was like zigzag just run in a zigzag pattern don't run in a straight line <laughs> and they would have lived <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm interested to, I don't know, I really am curious to see what she does with this power, because she, it seems like she wants to take control of that area. Yeah, which also reminded me of Lavana. I don't know why, she's just, <laughs> she's reminding me of Lavana a little bit. Next we're going to find out she started the plague. <laughs> no. um, oh, speaking of the blood fever, I did some research about the Black Plague, like I told you I was going to do. Okay, I did I did one little thing of research too, So, but you can start if you want. Okay, so I researched the Black Plague because the blood fever in this book reminded me a lot of it. And I learned that in some villages, 70% of the people died. That's a crazy number. I know, that's bananas. And, and that is kind of true of what happened to some of the people in... Um, in the young elites, they said that some villages had like three-fourths of their population decimated by this blood fever. But they um, were kind of tracking how fast the Black Death spread. And they said it traveled at a rate of eight miles per day. Whoa. I know. I can't even travel that fast. Yeah, and it was like between seven... <laughs> Did you just say, I can't even travel <laughs> I don't know why. That was my comparison. Seems like a lot of work to go eat miles. Eight miles, in a day. I think you can do. I that. mean, without like a car or something. I think I think you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Not every day, maybe like one big day. I've seen you run the hot chocolate race, so maybe if there's hot chocolate at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, and then I died and swore I would never do that again. So, oh, this was kind of interesting. So the plague was called the Black Death, but not just because uh-huh. I, everyone knows that like it left these black boils on your skin. But it also was called the Black Plague because the first instance came from there were 12 Genoese trading ships that arrived in Sicily that they say brought the plague and they arrived through the Black Sea, huh. which was kind of interesting. <clears throat> and I also read about like crazy ways they tried to cure the plague because I know you asked last week, I think it was, you were curious about how in this alternate reality of renaissance italy where the young elites takes place how they treated the blood fever and so i did some research into the ways they treated the black plague (laughs) here's some of the more funny ones i found so the doctors believed that smells would keep the plague at bay and some doctors thought that good smells would keep it away so they told people to carry around um little bouquets of herbs and flowers and they used aromatherapy and that's where like that song ring around the rosy comes from so that's what i did some research on oh did you okay the nursery rhymes so that was like when i i was gonna start with the black plague and then i was thinking about that song because i remember when i learned that it was supposedly about the black plague so i looked it up and so they used yeah the ring around the rosy because the rash that was like what the rash looked like that would start with the plague and then they would carry a pocket full of posies or the herbs or flowers like you said and then um 
the ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Or at one point it was like a chew, a chew something. Oh. And it was like the, the end and the season and the coughing. But then I read that it actually didn't originate back then. It was like around way before the Black Plague. Or it was around, um, it wasn't, re- it was, there, no reference to the Black Plague was made until like the 1800s. Oh. With the song. So, so the words kept changing. And it, they think it was actually um, a song when they made a religious ban on dancing. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so we just went into the movie Footloose. <laughs> Can you tell me more about this ban on dancing? <laughs> yeah. There was a religious ban on dancing among many Protestants in the 19th century in Britain and North America. And so they used to get around it by having what they called a play party, which was these (laughs) ring games, which were different than square dances, basically just because they were called ring games. What are ring games? and they did, it was so it was like a square dancing without music is my understanding. So because there wasn't music, it like got around the dancing. Oh, if only they had Kevin Bacon back then. <laughs> they said they were really popular and young kids like to do it too. So it actually did start kind of as like this rhyme instead of a song. So they could have these like square dancing parties basically without music. And then later, as the words kind of changed and evolved, people started to associate it with the Black Plague, but it didn't come from that. I heard that um, Irish dancing was originated from a ban on dancing, too. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I, th- I think that's why they... So th- many great things have come from banning dancing. From not like being Footloose. able to dance. <laughs> yeah, they said like they weren't allowed to dance, and so that's why they um, keep their arms so tightly to their sides and just do this really complicated footwork because they kind of thought if they kept their upper bodies stuck still, it didn't count as dancing. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of funny. Like, what is the line? Like, where you go from, like, I'm not dancing to I'm dancing. <laughs> like, sometimes when I, even when I'm out dancing, I'm not sure you would call it dancing. Oh, no. <laughs> you would call it maybe having a seizure. Although, Footloose is the song. So my favorite, like, bars to go out to and go dancing at always play, like, 80s music and stuff. But Footloose is, like, my song. It's the one that gets there. you going? Yeah, that's my... <laughs> I, maybe I, I hope these people like weren't smiling either when they were doing it because for some reason like if in my head if they're having too much fun that counts as dancing so I'm imagining them all doing these really weird moves with like with no smile on their face well and so at the end we all fall down that was actually like a curtsy or a bow oh. movement so it wasn't like when you're a kid you know you like fall you like spin around in a circle and then you like all fall on your butt on the grass but it was like falling forward like a bow is what it said. I also, I don't know if this is reliable. This Where did I even find this? I don't know. That's really cool, though. I didn't know that. So then I started looking into other nursery rhymes. Oh, good. I love nursery rhymes. Tell me more. <laughs> so um, kind of the more, the ones I had heard about before that were kind of common was like Humpty Dumpty was based on, wait, where did I put it? Oh, who was Mr. Hum- Mr. Dumpty? <laughs> is he a real person? In Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll, this guy painted Humpty Dumpty as an egg, so that's where the egg came from. But it used to be a cannon used by the army of Charles I in 1648 to deter the opposing army of parliamentarians. Wait, it was called a Humpty? <laughs> the cannon was called a Humpty Dumpty? <laughs> Man, there's nothing to inspire fear in the enemy than being like, release the Humpty Dumpty! <laughs> No, it was. 
is. And I guess it used to be a longer um, nursery rhyme. So people like have forgotten the first two verses. But the gunner who worked the cannon was named One-Eyed Thompson, and the cannon was called Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) And for three months, this cannon was on top of a tower and defended this town. But eventually, they knocked the tower down, and the cannon fell off. And all of the king's horses and all the king's men who stormed into the tower ran over the cannon, and they couldn't put it back together again. So that's how. But that was like a good thing. Like, they were glad they couldn't put it together again. I guess it depends on if you're the tower people or the people trying to That's get true. into the tower. <laughs> so that one was funny. So, so yeah, but so the reason it started being an egg, because I used to think that too. I was like, they never say anything about it being an egg in the nursery rhyme. So why do we always draw Humpty Dumpty as an egg? So that was from Through the Looking Glass. The uh, illustrator who um, drew that is who started the egg thing. Hmm. And his name was John... Tenniel or something like that. Did you do any other nursery rhymes that stemmed from the Black Plague? <laughs> no more that stemmed from the Black Plague. These were just me going off on like random tangents now. So, <laughs> I also read this one about London Bridge. So I guess it fell down a lot because it wasn't built very well. <laughs> but there are funny. a few different stories <laughs> that they think um, were, were like the reason for it. So wait here, let me find my notes on this one real quick. So there was one story that had something to do with Vikings, like a bunch of Vikings, I guess, stormed the wall in 1014. There was a Viking attack. On the Um, London Bridge? Yeah. Oh. But some historians believe it never took place, but others think that it did with Olaf II of Norway in the early 1000s. Is that what you call them? The 1000s? Sure. The 1000s? The 1000s. Um, what did Count Olaf do now? <laughs> <laughs> so allegedly, he destroyed the London Bridge when he attacked when the Vikings Olaf the Second of Norway attacked um, back in the day. But then there's also a theory that it was based on child sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, there's no archaeological evidence to support this, but it's been debated that. Um, because it was like in such disrepair or built so poorly, people thought that they needed to do some human sacrifice to like oh. help keep the bridge. Oh, standing. kind of like blaming Malfettos for the storms that came through Estensia. Yeah, when those so they, they were burned at the stake in the second part <laughs> of the book. So they would throw some kids off the bridge. I think. Oh no! As like um, a superstition to. That it would, like, those souls would watch over the bridge and maintain its sturdiness. But I only found that what? in one website, so I, I'm not entirely sure that's true. Okay, if I was a kid... But I really thought that story was interesting. <laughs> if That is just such skewed logic, though, because if I was a kid and you threw me off a bridge, I would come back and haunt all of you so badly to the point where I would make that bridge fall down every single day. Well, it I'm sounds vengeful. like it actually did fall down a lot. So if they really did that, it didn't work. Maybe you're right. Maybe they all got mad. I mean, come on. I think, I mean, that that's definitely something Adelina would do. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of the other fairy tales I saw were based off things having to do with, um, not Bloody Mary, but um, uh, who's the king who killed all his friends? Oh, Henry VIII. Why can't, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Old Mother Hubbard was supposedly about Cardinal Thomas Wolsey, who refused to grant an annulment to King Henry when he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn. Oh, 
And then there was a couple others that had... How does that add up? Isn't there like... Oh, did he starve him to death or something? It, I guess it just led to his political downfall. So they mocked Cardinal Thomas with this nursery room. Oh. Your, um, the story about the London Bridge reminded me of this thing I heard. I have no idea if it's true, but we're going to go... I don't remember who told me this. I think maybe Rachel told me this, but... Um, Apparently, there's this bridge in Canada. I think it's Canada. Again, I'm not really a great, a reliable resource, but apparently this bridge fell down in Canada and a lot of people were hurt and they discovered that it was um, due to human error, like something that the engineers did wrong. And I heard that they took the bridge and they made rings out of the metal and now every engineer who graduates in Canada gets a ring made out of this bridge as a reminder to always double check your work. That's kind of cool. Again, I think, it, I mean, it might be an urban legend, but I thought that was a kind of cool story. I used to think bridges were really cool. I mean, they are when they're not falling down. <laughs> like I watched this, this documentary about um, the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge and like tons of people, like just there's like, a lot of crazy stories that I no longer remember, but I was like, fast. I think I watched it like three or four times <laughs> in seventh grade before I went to San Francisco for the first time. Oh. oh, so I learned some other things about the ways that people tried to cure the plague. So as you said, like good smells were known to keep the plague away or so they believed, but they also, some doctors believed that bad smells would keep the plague away. So they would treat patients by making them bathe in urine. Ew. I know. How did they collect enough urine for that? I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Let's not Just go like there. <laughs> but um, then there another cure. Cure. No, no, none of these people lived. If you got the plague, you, you were not cured. But another supposed cure was um, a powder of crushed emeralds that was given in liquid in liquid and drunk. Which sounds kind of fancy, like, oh, I'm drinking crushed emeralds, but essentially you were drinking crushed glass and water, so you can imagine how that worked out in the end. <laughs> oh, I was imagining it like Goldschlager, but green. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I could do that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. And then um, the weirdest way by far was, <laughs> for some reason, they thought chickens could help cure the plague and so they would take i'm not even making this up i did get this from a reliable source they would take a live chicken <clears throat> they would shave it and then they would strap it to wherever you had swollen lymph nodes and they would keep the chicken there until the chicken died what i know and the worst part though is so you have lymph nodes in your on your neck in your arms under your arms and in your groin area. So there were probably people walking around with chickens strapped to their groin, <laughs> like thinking that that was gonna cure them of the plague. So this like reminds me, this could be a really good sketch comedy idea, I think. I think we should do a side sketch show. Oh, you should totally go with that. <laughs> I wonder like where people came up with these ideas. You know, like if I was a doctor back then, <laughs> I feel like I would have just been like, why don't we try, like, I would just, like, get drunk and, like, come up with a crazy idea and then tell everyone that's what helps. I mean, 
what do you have to lose at that point? It's not like they were probably just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what would stick because. Yeah, if I thought I was going to die, but someone told me if I strapped a chicken under my arm. I would do it. I would totally do I, it. Get, I would do it. I would bring out all the chickens. I, I don't care. I mean, it's better than dying, right? Yeah, it just sucks if you then die too, and then you just have a <laughs> dead chicken strapped to your dead arm. But I wonder, like, if people had something that wasn't the plague, and they did that, and it somehow worked. Because it had it had to have worked, like, at least once for it to become a <laughs> practice that people used. <laughs> and it clearly wasn't the plague that it cured, but, like, what was it where they strapped a rock, like, a chicken to you, and you were somehow cured of whatever you had? It would be so funny to like go back in time and like be there and be like, no, guys, just like wash your hands or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just take a bath. Just even just once a week, just take a bath. Can I have my emeralds uncrushed, please, and wear them <laughs> on, on my lymph nodes? They probably just had mono and then it just went away. <laughs> but whenever the symptoms came back, they would just drop another chicken on. Them. Oh, you know, bring go. Bring out another chicken. I got another swelling on my groin. Okay. Um, do we want to say anything else about this book? <laughs> well, so that kind of reminds me of Enzo's um, old love interest was doing things, was giving like potions and stuff. She was an apothecary, right? Mm-hmm. She was an, an apprentice at the apothecary. I mean, she was providing potions to help Malfettos hide their markings. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Was that why so she, she was killed? So she was a sympath. I'm I'm still curious about like how they met her in the first place. Like how did the banished prince fall in love with this girl? I know. I really like it makes sense know. that the Dagger Society talked to her, but it felt like he already. I don't know. How did he meet? Them? What was he doing at the apothecary? Yeah. Oh, maybe he was trying to hide his markings so he could hide himself as the banished prince. Yeah, maybe. And why was she killed though? Was she killed by the Inquisition because she was a sympathizer? I mean, was she killed just because of what she was doing, or was she killed because they knew she was working for the Dagger Society, or was she killed because... If they knew she was working for the Dagger... Ah. Well, they wouldn't have killed her on purpose. They would have tried to get information from her, but... Maybe, because that's the whole reason why they burnt down the court, was because they realized they were all patrons, right? Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe they were just trying to root out sympathizers. Oh! Do you think Enzo only liked Adelina because he reminded her physically of this other girl, or do you think it was... Because I also think she has, like, that... Some of her power alignment was very close to his, right? They both aligned with passion and something else. Fury? I don't remember. But, yeah, I think I think it was part of it. I think she definitely reminded him of Daphne. But I also think that she impressed him, which is kind of what Adelina says, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I think that, like, yeah, that power and that, like, her spunk or whatever... There was something about that that he, I think, related to, which is why he was impressed by it. Her ambition, too. I think they both aligned with ambition. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And it's kind of, I think it's, in that case, like, calls to like. I don't think, I think he is very power-hungry himself because he's obviously willing to risk a lot of people's lives to get back on the throne. And so I think, yeah, I think he was very, almost seduced by her power and what it could give him. And I, and that's the thing, yeah. like, I don't know if he loved her, like, the essence of her. I think she, he was in love with what she could give him. Yeah, his image of the future with her mm-hmm. in it, not in a romantic way, but in a... How he could use her power. Yeah. Although, you did have that nice scene right before um, the duel, when he was 
kind of being a little bit more vulnerable <clears throat> when he admitted to her that Taryn was better and that he was a little bit afraid. Although I also, this is another, this happens to me a lot in books. I'm like, they've had like four conversations, none of which were very... That's true. <laughs> like, how did they even fall in love? Like, I get that they had a crush or like, the, you know, there was something starting, but like... And then they had a hot makeout sesh. Was she really in love with him already? <laughs> I think... Well, I mean, we don't see all of the scenes in which they train together, but ostensibly he trained her for a long time in order to kind of hone her powers. So maybe it was like during those training sessions where they... But it couldn't have even been that long because... That's true. In between when she... It was like two weeks. I forgot that <laughs> she had like a deadline to meet with Taryn. <laughs> okay, so it was a whirlwind romance. But then I also think because he's dead, she can now just keep... It's not like they had a bad breakup and she can, like, start hating him. You know, like, she's going to write a sad song in her journal. She probably is just going to keep building it up. <laughs> no, I mm, I don't know. I, I think she was kind of starved for human attention in a way. And I think he... I mean, when you lose someone like that, the way he lost Daphne, and when you are raised the way Adelina was to have be shown no love, I think you part of you feels like you have to kind of harden your heart against being hurt again. And I think that was true of both of them. So I think both of them had, you know Yeah. I think they're related to each other in their like weird outsider way. Mm -hmm. Kinda of like what you were just saying. Like they saw they saw themselves in each other a little bit, I think. Yeah, I agree. But you know what? I'm not I'm I mean, I'm I'm sad that he died just because I'm not sure what it's gonna do for the plot, but I'm not sad I, I'm, I was never a fan of her and Enzo as, like, a couple. And I also just, I mean, I liked him as a character, but I didn't, like, care about him as a character. Neither did I, because you didn't know him that well. Like, I didn't know anything about his past. He was, like, a complete mystery. Yeah, I, I wanted, I was, like, in, I was interested in, yeah, he was mysterious. I was interested to know more, but I didn't, like, feel attached to him. I wasn't, like, you know. And you could see that he was so dark that him being with Adelina would not have been good for either of them in the long run, I feel. Like, I feel like he brought out a lot of her darkness. Or it would have been good for only the two of them and no one else in the world. <laughs> or they would just become a power couple like Brangelina. Yeah. But they would be Adelenzo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I had a glass of wine. <laughs> I approve. Did you do research on anything else you wanted to share? I, I basically just got into those um, nursery rhymes, and I didn't verify any of my facts. I, if I saw them on... That's pretty par for the course of us. Yeah, I found, like, two different articles where I didn't look at where they came from, and then I also checked Wikipedia. So Wikipedia said most of that stuff was also potentially true, which means not true. I mean, like, it's Wikipedia. I am going... Oh, I'm... Okay, I'm going to, next week, I'm going to do some research on the history of pleasure courts because, especially since it takes place, it seems like it takes place in Renaissance Italy and it kind of reminds me of Venice. So I'm going to do some research about that for next week. But I started researching duels, Ooh. but I didn't get very far. So maybe I'll finish doing that. I would like to learn more about that. Also, can we just talk real quick about how Taryn killed the king? Oh, yeah. Wait, is that a real way you could kill someone? Oh, my God. I have no idea, but that was absolutely... I refuse to believe that that was quick and painless. I mean, quick, sure, but... I don't know. It just seems like... Haven't they been trying so hard to kill... Like, it was just... <laughs> the timing was so funny. Because the whole point... Like, the daggers 
plan was to kill the king, and then Taryn just goes in with like an ice pick and just <laughs> and like a mallet. And a mallet and just takes care of it. Can you research that to see if that's a legit way? Yeah, I to will. Kill I'm gonna do that. <laughs> My Google history this week is not gonna be good, but I'll go. I'll go incognito. Does that help? Yeah, put on private browsing. <laughs> I'll do that to research pleasure courts too. <laughs> You don't want that stuff showing up on your Facebook feed advertising. No, because sometimes when I Google things at work, the things that I Google like when I get home from work show up, and vice versa. <laughs> well, I looked up like how they used to throw kids off bridges as human sacrifices. Oh my gosh! So. <laughs> Should we? Well, I guess do you have anything else you want to say about the first book? I'm like already itching to start the second book. <laughs> I am too. I just am so curious what they're gonna do now that. It seems like they don't have any conflicts now, except for getting rid of Taryn. But now Adelina, I guess, is like the conflict. Well, I mean, and they still, obviously, again, they need to get rid of Taryn, but they don't have a clear, like, if they get rid of the monarchy... Then what? Then what? Like, like they don't have a leader the same way. They don't have, like, it made sense to say, you know, this guy was the prince, and he should still be the prince, and also we're better than you at the same time. But to just be like... <laughs> We have power, so listen to us. I don't know. Especially when they can't even all agree. I bet there's... So, she's going to start her rival group. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of people that I'm sure they either have chosen not to seek out or they haven't found. Like, I bet there's... You know, I bet there's other elites out there. Oh, that would be cool. And I wonder if it'll just be these two groups or if there'll be more groups. And then, if, especially if you think about all the people in, you know, up in... Uh, the Skyland, yeah. Or, or Skylands, or I don't know why I want it to be the Sunlands. Is it? Like, I might be wrong. I might have made that up. No, I think you're right. Because when you say it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Let's see. Um, yeah, Skylands. Skylands. Right. Okay. Yeah, I we'll probably be <laughs> like um, Adelenzo. <laughs> and the, wait, okay, but there's the Skylands and there's the Sealands, and isn't there a third one? Tamori, the Tamoran, Tamoria. I'm just saying sounds now. Um, oh, you know what? I wrote them down. I wrote down the lands. Kenetra, the Skylands, and Tamorian. But Kenetra, isn't that also the Sealands? Isn't mm. Kenetra part of the Sealands? Probably. Oh, wait, there's a map. Hold on, I have a map right here. Oh, there is. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's a map, like, in the first half of the book. Or at the beginning of the book. There's Kenetra, the Sealands, the Skylands, Beldane, which is part of the Skylands, and then in Kenetra, there's, oh, Campania, which is um, a city in Italy, actually. Estensia. <clears throat> then there's these things called the Ember Isles. And then there's Tamora. And then there's a couple of Then there's also the Sunlands at the very bottom of your map. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Yep. So I, w- I didn't just make up the Sunlands. I just no, had no, the no. wrong No, You were just... Place. Okay. <laughs> you had the wrong cardinal direction. <laughs> I don't know if that's... <laughs> That's worse, better or worse. It's a true place, but not the right one. Or if I just, whatever. Anyways, we're getting close to our hour mark. Oh, yeah. Why don't we, um, do you want to read the back of the Rose Society? I do. And also, I like the way the cover looks. It looks kind of cool. There's a wolf on it. And the young elites. Yours has a wolf on it? Mm Mm-hmm. Mine doesn't have a wolf on it. Oh, well, I'm just lucky, I guess. (laughs) And also, my Patronus is a wolf. (laughs) Yeah, it has a wolf. It has like a wolf. Mine's a hippogriff. Is your does yours have a hippogriff on it? Yeah, there's a there's a big, 
there's a wolf on it. There's like a wolf face, a wolf eye head. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to drink um, wine again before we do this. <laughs> well, um, I don't know what a wolf head looks like apparently, but I, the rose has like a, um, a shield on it. And the elites, the T was like a sword. Did you have Oh, that? yes. Mine has that too. But mine also has a wolf on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, whatever. Okay, why don't you read the back? <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, a girl had a father, a prince, a society of friends. Then they betrayed her. Now Adelina Amateru is turning down the bitter path of revenge. Known and feared as the White Wolf, she searches for other young elites to build up her own army. Her goal, strike down the Inquisition Axis who nearly killed her. But make no mistake, Adelina is no heroine. Her powers are growing beyond her control, and she trusts no one. Adelina struggles to cling to the good within her, but how can she be good when her very existence depends on darkness? Ooh. I like that. So how far are we going to read next week? Okay, so it's about 400 pages. So I say let's read to page 206, okay. which is an Adelina chapter. And the like thing at the beginning is from... Compassia and Erotosithinus. A Canatron folktale. I can't. Is that a different language? These words. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the name of the book that the excerpt at the beginning of the book. Oh, okay. You know how they have this yeah. at the beginning? I love those. So, and I think. Yeah, page 206. Page 206. Okay. I will start reading. And I think next week we might be doing a live episode, right? Yeah. Yay! So we'll plan for that and hopefully it works out. Mm-hmm. And um, do you have a joke for me this week? Oh, okay. So you know how we were talking about the origin of the word magic last week? Yeah. And how we don't believe it? We don't buy that story? So then I was curious where the actual origin of the word magic came from, but I didn't find that out. And instead I was reminded of this joke that I used to like. It's one of my top two favorite <laughs> muffin jokes. Muffin jokes? Wait, okay, so you're going to tell me two jokes because I have to hear both of these muffin jokes now. <laughs> and, I, and I have trouble telling them because I always start laughing. I don't even know one muffin joke. <laughs> Wait, it's a joke about okay, muffins. So the first one is there's these two people. Wait, I'll, okay, I'll tell you that later. There's these two people walking through the forest and one turns to the other <laughs> and goes... <laughs> I'm laughing. You haven't even said anything yet. And the first one d- demands of his friend, make me a muffin. And the second guy just goes, poof, you're a muffin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a magician thing. I don't know. I don't know why, but I've always thought that joke was hilarious. Wait, was that your number, your second favorite or your first favorite muffin joke? That's my second favorite. Okay, my first favorite's first. a little bit more popular. Okay. Okay, so there's... <laughs> I need to take a deep breath. I'm just laughing because you're laughing. <laughs> okay. I can't <laughs> okay. There's two muffins in an oven. And the first muffin says to the second muffin, man, it's getting hot in here. And the second muffin goes, whoa, a talking muffin. <laughs> they're not very good but those are my top two favorite muffin jokes and i challenge you to find a better muffin joke challenge accepted 
is how I, I, I usually can't tell jokes. I'm surprised it's been this many episodes where I haven't started cracking up halfway through it. Oh, man. Uh, well, I mean, that was, like, one of the funniest ones we've heard, so... Um, I'm crying right now. Like, I have tears running all the way down my face. Uh, don't forget, I, I took comedy writing classes, so I know funny. Oh, it shows. <laughs> what if we just told muffin jokes for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> okay. I also was going to tell you, we'll save this story for a different time, but did I ever tell you about the time I dated a magician? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the time I dated a muffin. <laughs> What's his name? David Blaine. No, <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll share that story a different a different podcast time. Okay, I'm sure magic will come up again. Don't forget, please, because now I'm really curious. <laughs> I won't. I like to leave a little bit of mystery. Hopefully, I don't die in the end of the first book of whatever. <clears throat> okay. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? No, I think I'm. I think I'm done. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone, go try and find your funniest muffin joke this week and. Um, I think that's it. Bye, bookworms. Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.